0: My guest this week is Brian Ahern. Brian is based in Columbus, Ohio. And the reason I have Brian on the show, well, first of all, he was referred to me. And secondly, because I have a tremendous interest in someone that he looks up to as well. Brian is a Cialdini certified trainer. And if you're wondering who Cialdini is, Robert Cialdini or Dr. Robert Cialdini is the person who almost single-handedly created the field of influence or persuasion psychology, particularly in the context of business. He produced a book decades ago called Influence the Psychology of Persuasion. I read it and many, many people in the training, expertise, coaching business have read this as well because it helps us to understand how we can use the mind, influence psychology to benefit people ethically and of course, benefit ourselves commercially. And today, Brian's going to explain how he came to be one of the few people in the world to be certified by Robert Cialdini as a Cialdini Certified Trainer. And we're going to look at one or two key principles from the six principles, in fact there are more than six now, of the area of persuasion psychology. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey! Hey. And welcome to the TrainingBusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hey, welcome to the Training Business podcast. This is the weekly show for self-employed consultants, trainers, coaches, people around the world, just like you and me, people who want some expertise, some listening, I guess, something to listen to each week, focused on the business of helping you to make money from your expertise, from your programs, your workshops, your courses, your keynotes, if you're a speaker, your books, if you're an author, if you've written any, or perhaps you're thinking of doing some or all of these things at some point. Maybe you have your own expert business and you just want to top up each week by listening to people who are just like you and me out there selling what we know, what we've learned in the form of programs and products and services, which of course help others, but also make a living for us. I'm Mark, I'm a self-employed coach, trainer, facilitator and a published author. And I've learned lots of things from all of those uh, jobs, if you will. I've been, as I kind of half say jokingly or half joke, um, I've been employed, unemployed and self-employed And I'm building a business every single week, helping people in the area of sales. That's my expertise. That's my area of focus in sales enablement. Now, every Thursday, there is an episode of the show. So if you've not yet subscribed, if this is your first time here, now is the time to click on follow or subscribe to be notified of great episodes as they come out. Brian, welcome to the show. I'm happy to be
1: here, Mark. Thanks for having me on.
0: It's uh it's a cold day, um 12th of December, and you're in Columbus, Ohio.
1: Yes, home of the Ohio State Buckeyes. So we're excited for the college football playoffs to start.
0: Go Buckeyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you run Influence People LLC, and your background, like mine, is in sales training. Um, a number of years ago, you worked for State Auto University, your role was learning director. And um, as you said to me before we clicked record. You came across the work of someone that we both hugely admire, uh, Dr. Robert Cialdini, and the book was influenced the Psychology of Persuasion. You said it changed the course of your career and your life. Let's talk about that for a bit.
1: Sure. Well, when I came across his material eh, something like 20 years ago... Right away, the light bulb came on. It was a video I saw him presenting at Stanford. The psychology he was talking about, I recognized, was the underpinning of all selling. I was involved in sales training. Hmm. I really appreciated the fact that it was all research-based, so I really could get behind it. And then I loved his stance on ethics. I like to believe I'm a good person that I try to treat people well, and so that was a foundation. And so for those three reasons, I really dove deep into what he was doing. And eventually, through a series of circumstances, I ended up meeting him. Oh, and went through his training, and then ultimately got certified. And and the reason that I say it changed the course of my life and my career. Four years ago, I left the insurance company to do this full-time, but also on a personal basis, how I interact with my wife, how I interact with my daughter, how I treat people, even outside of anything business-related, has radically changed because of what I learned from Dr. Cialdini.
0: Why? Why is that so impactful?
1: Because I think whenever you're dealing with other people, psychology comes into play. And if we understand how people think and process information and we're willing to change how we communicate with them, we can have much better conversations. Now, specifically, what I talk with people about is influence. And I believe that influence is a skill that we display from the moment we are born. When a child comes into the world, it has needs, it doesn't know how to speak, but what does it do? It cries. And mom or dad have to interpret. Do we feed the baby, burp the baby, change the baby? But it is communicating in the only way it knows how to try to get needs met and then as we grow through the entirety of our life every day of our life we are asking people to do things so we are trying to influence their behavior and so i see this as a 24 7 365
0: life skill Mm -hmm. and if you're a business owner listening to this it's something which is intrinsic to getting people to buy you and to buy from you um Let's talk about the CMCT qualification itself, Chaldini Method Certified Trainer. So it's based upon the book, Influence the Psychology of Persuasion, which focuses on six key principles. Why don't we list those for a moment for people listening? Uh, everyone knows this, the principle of reciprocity to begin with.
1: Sure. The obligation that we feel to give back to people who first give to us, that's foundational to building better relationships. Mm. Usually, if you do something kind for somebody, they feel a sense of indebtedness and want to help you and you're both better off.
0: Okay. Um, And on the principle of reciprocity for a moment, I saw on a channel called Channel 4 in the UK a number of years ago, relatively recently, called The Secret Life of Six-Year-Olds or Five-Year-Olds. And they had these cameras, parents, psychologists present, observing the interaction between children and how they traded. Um, if I did something for you, gave you something, or gave you a toy or something to eat, that child expected that thing back. it's quite interesting how it's, as you alluded to, it's programmed in ourselves as humans.
1: It, it is. You, you see that displayed without being taught. But then think about how much we are taught reciprocity. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're like me, then when you were uh, little and somebody did something kind, mom or dad probably turned to you and said, Mark, what do you say? And immediately you said, thank you. And you weren't thinking about this, but you were starting to be conditioned that when someone does something, there's an expectation that you will do something in return. And society generally works better when we're both doing that and
0: helping one another. Mm. So let's bring this back to business because this, of course, is the Training Business Podcast. And one of your straplines is, well, in fact, your strap line from LinkedIn is applying the science of influence for better business results. So as business owners, how could we apply that principle of reciprocity to generate business results?
1: By being a giver. By doing what you can to help people. So I will give you an example. I've been on 150 plus podcasts. I reached out to all those podcasters at the beginning of the month and said, you know, hey, just want to wish you happy holidays before things get busy. And by the way, I've been on you know well over 100 shows. And if you see anybody on that list that you'd like to meet, I will make a personal introduction for you. I had so many people coming back and saying, thank you so much. I'd like to meet this person. I'd like to meet that person. Or they might come back and say, not at this time, but I'm going to take you up on it. I wasn't getting anything out of that. There was no monetary exchange. I genuinely appreciated having been on their shows. I wanted to do something helpful for them. We're both better off. I know that those people that I make introductions for, should I come out with another book in the future? They'll gladly have me back on because we're both helping one another. And that's an example, I think, of how Mm -hmm. we go about business engaging reciprocity.
0: And sometimes if we're giving a keynote, we can give someone something to download. We can give them a lead magnet. We can give them something to take away physically from a talk or a workshop. That's also creating a sense of obligation, right, In, in an ethical way.
1: Sure. Whenever I do presentations at the end of a presentation, I hand out what's called a tip card and it encapsulates the high points of the things that I spoke about. Right. It also doubles as a business card. It has my name, email, and phone number on it. But people really appreciate that. I have literally had wait staffs at hotels who were serving lunch come up and ask for the tip cards as they stood in the back and they listened. So people and they keep it. I mean, I've seen people who've had those tip cards 10 years later. So Yeah, those little acts like that that they're not expecting, wow, outsized return quite often.
0: So for people listening, the principle of reciprocity is based upon the word reciprocates, meaning if someone does something, then there's a sense of obligation the other way. But we have to instigate this. It needs to be, I think as Cialdini said, you can correct me, um, it's unexpected and uh, individualized. Is that right?
1: Yes. If you really want to get the quote bang for the buck out of it, Mm-hmm. When you give in ways that are meaningful, customized, and unexpected are the three things that we talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, customized means I need to know a little bit about you, Mark. Uh, I need to give something that, that is meaningful for you. If I don't, you, you're like, well, okay, I you know, appreciate the sentiment. But if I give you something that... that Shows that I had paid attention. You're like, wow, you, you really understood what I said. And so I give something that's personalized to you. Uh, meaningful means more is better, right? If I give you a $5 Starbucks card because I knew you liked Starbucks, a $10 card is even better. And then the third thing is unexpected. Now we're coming up on the holiday season and people are gonna be celebrating different faiths. And a lot of times there's gift exchange involved with that. And while that's nice, we kind of expect it. But, you know, let's say in January or February, somebody says, Hey, Mark, I was thinking of you. Boom. And they give you something. You're not expecting that there's, there's a wow yes. factor to that. So understanding these three rules of reciprocity, we can, we can make it much more thoughtful and engaging for that other person. And again, everybody ends up winning in a situation like that.
0: It is so true. And when people feel that you've taken the time to read something, customize something, give them something, they're more likely to feel, I suppose, inclined to do do something for you. Um, And there are a whole bunch of ways we can do this. I've heard of training business owners give um, some kind of box with a customized message, a copy Mm -hmm. of their book. Um, something which is a sample of their training, and it just mm-hmm. generates this. Oh my goodness! You didn't have to, but I'm glad you did. Yeah. And why don't we then next step? And that next step is much easier because we've we've now psychologically make them feel like they owe us something.
1: Yes, and the interesting thing about this is just the fact that we give something like free. Free isn't always perceived as a gift. An example that I use quite often here in the states: the Embassy Suites, very nice hotel. They mm-hmm. have great great cookies. They have these little chocolate cookies and vanilla cookies. You can take as many as you want as you walk in the building or out of the building. But nobody raves about the Embassy Suites cookies, but they do rave about the Doubletree cookie. And the Doubletree cookie is a chocolate chip cookie and it's very tasty. But the difference is when you check into the Doubletree Tree, that person hands you that warm chocolate chip cookie. It stands out because of how they do that. And so what I tell clients all the time is just because you have something that that someone can partake in, make sure that you're giving it to them. For example, if you, Mark, walked into... My office on a hot summer day. I don't say, "Wow, Mark, it's really hot outside. Help yourself to some water over there." I say, "Would you like some water?" And if you say yes, I go get it and I give it to you. And that mm-hmm. simple act
0: really begins to change how you perceive that gift. It's true. It's true. And when we've had that emotional connection with someone, we're not some stranger anymore. We're not some service provider. We're we're closer to their inner circle. Uh, something else I thought I might add is. Something which does not cost money. And I've been, I've done this twice now with really impactful results where I've gone onto LinkedIn, having a name of people attending an event or a training of mine. And I've looked at their profiles and I know their names off by heart before I go in the room. And I just greet them without even, I just say, Hi, Julian. Hi, 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 Hamid. And they're, uh, how do you know my name? The fact that you took the time to personalize your greeting is really impactful for people, right?
1: Absolutely. And one of the things I do along those lines that that really is appreciated, if I am going to work with an organization, I will typically say, you know, Mark, would you be open to supplying me the names and email addresses of the individuals? Because I'd like to send them a personal message, but I'm also going to connect with them on LinkedIn. So once I get that information, a personal invite, Mark, I see that you're going to be attending the training on the 23rd, Uh, really looking forward to meeting you. Thought we would connect here beforehand. So boom, Mm. now you connect. You're seeing my background. I'm seeing yours. Then days before the meeting, there's going to be the personal email. By the time you walk in the room, I'm not just some guy like, who's this Brian? Who's going to do the training? You're like, Oh, I've had interaction with him. I've seen his profile. Mm. He's shown genuine interest in me. It totally changes the complexion of the, of the interaction that you're going to have with that group of people. And it doesn't take that much effort.
0: Yeah, and people do this with Loom as well. They record a quick Loom video, uh, personalize the introduction, and that again creates that sense of connection. Some will not go through all six principles because there's a lot there. But one other one, of course, is the principle of social proof. And as someone running their own consultancy as a coach, a facilitator, a trainer, it's showing how other people value you so the words coming out of your mouth okay they're important but what other people say about you when you're not in the room that's important how do you leverage the principle of social proof when it comes to extolling the virtues of your business of influence people llc
1: so for your listeners social proof is that that sense that we all have of looking to other people to see how we should behave in certain situations Mm -hmm. we are we are pack creatures And therefore, we look to other people. What are they thinking? How are they feeling? What are they doing? Because that all impacts what we think, what we feel, and what we do. So when we understand that and thinking about your client base, who else would impact them, probably people who are like them. And what are they going to be concerned about? How have you helped people like me? So then it's incumbent Mm -hmm. upon me to, to have testimonials as an example. So I have those right on the front page of my website. Then I have a whole page of testimonials. I also have video testimonials so that they not only read it, but they can actually see and hear these people. I go a step further. I always make sure I've got that person's picture. So now it's a real person who actually gave this quote. Mm -hmm. And, and that's how I typically will leverage social proof when I'm talking with clients and potential clients so they understand that Brian knows what he's doing and it's clear by the fact that he's helping these other people and they have unsolicited said these things about him.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds obvious, but we can talk about ourselves all day long. But when someone else whom other people look up to, admire, a peer of theirs, ideally, says something that's complimentary, Um, something that encourages them to work with you, it's far more powerful coming from them than from you.
1: Sure. When that person is perceived to be an expert, then you're invoking the principle of authority. And now you've got two principles working here. You've got social proof. A lot of people, oh, and all these people happen to be experts or leaders in their field. That means much more than somebody who might not be familiar at all to the person who's looking over those testimonials. So being thoughtful and how you can leverage that becomes very, very important in terms of influencing how somebody thinks about you and your
0: organization. Mm -hmm. You're also in the NSA, National Speakers Association. So I guess when you go on stage, give a talk, there's a whole bunch of these principles at play here not least reciprocity. You're giving your time, your expertise. There's a payback in terms of their attention to you and listening to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the principle of authority in the sense that you're on stage, they're not, and your message therefore is elevated in their minds. Um, you've also written a book. How has that helped you get clients in terms of your principle of authority?
1: When I left the insurance company four years ago, I had started a book many years before, but being busy with the corporate job, travel, and other things, I hadn't finished it. Well, that became priority number one, because having a book is a marker to help you get speaking opportunities. Now, the reality is your ability to write has almost nothing to do with your ability to speak, but in the minds of the people who are bringing you in, it's a marker. And when you understand that, I can't necessarily change how they're gonna view that, but I know what I can do to leverage it. So I made sure I finished the book. The book is great because it gets your ideas out to the world for anybody who wants to see that at any time. But it does really help you, I think, organize your thoughts, which when you're on stage, you have to be very organized in how you're going to think and share the information because you usually have a wealth that you'd like to share, but a limited amount of time. So I think writing a book was very good for my ability to do that. And and so have being on podcasts uh, Mm -hmm. to to have these conversations and really think through how am I going to talk about certain aspects have been uh, hugely helpful.
0: How did you get to be a a Cialdini Method Certified Trainer? That, I'm sure, is a question on people's minds.
1: Well, the interesting thing, when I mentioned that I uh, ultimately met Cialdini, the reason that I met him was the information that I had watched. The video came from Stanford University, and he was very clear about non-manipulative ways to, to move people to action. And when they came out with one of their marketing flyers, they used the word manipulation in the marketing. I mean, in bold letters, call it influence, persuasion, or even manipulation. And I, I thought... Oh. I can't believe they actually used that word. Either they didn't watch the video or the person who's doing the copyright isn't very smart because nobody wants to be manipulated. And so I emailed Stanford and I basically said, I don't know anybody who is looking to become a good manipulator and I don't know anybody who wants to be manipulated. The word cannot be helping your sales, but it's probably hurting. I never heard from Stanford, but sometime later my phone rang at work and it was a representative of Robert Cialdini And she said, I'm calling to thank you on behalf of Dr. Cialdini, because you send an email to Stanford, they're changing the marketing of our materials. I was like, wow, that is really cool. So we had this very nice conversation. And before the end, she said, you know, if your company ever needs a guest speaker, he travels the world to talk about this. Well, as fate would have it, I said, I sit next to the woman who plans our events and books our speakers. You want to talk to her? And so it was the summer of 2004. He was in Columbus, Ohio several times, spoke to the insurance agents that uh, represented our company, and eventually, in 2008, I went to Arizona and went through the certification process. Um, I had gone through his workshop. I had applied. There's a a rigorous application process and things, but ultimately went to Arizona and spent a week with him and his partner, Dr. Greg Neider, learning about his two-day workshop, why they do what they do. We had to do... Uh, presentations back to he and Dr. Neider, which was kind of nerve-wracking. You're presenting to the guy who literally wrote the book. And uh, and there was a lengthy uh, psychology test that we had to take. So it was a pretty rigorous process. But ultimately, going through that and then hosting my first workshop in 2008, I got certified. And so for the last uh, almost 15 years now, I've been uh, representing he and influence at work by doing his two-day principles of persuasion workshop.
0: So what kinds of uh, organizations need help with influence? And this is where, of course, your business comes in.
1: Yeah, Well, every organization, every individual and every organization uh, needs help to be better at the skill of influence because it is one of those things. It, it will not matter, for example, as a salesperson, how good your sales process is if you don't know what to say every step of the way. Just, just because you've got eight steps doesn't make it a good process. What makes it a good process is your ability within each of those steps to communicate so that somebody is saying yes and you ultimately get to the sale. As a leader, it won't matter how good your strategy, your mission, your vision, your values are if you can't get people to say yes to those. So this is, this is critical skill for anybody. And if you think about this, if your listeners think about how often... Their professional success depends on getting people to say yes. I think they would be amazed and probably start recognizing, I need to focus on this skill. But also, when you go home, think about maybe your spouse, significant other, kids, neighbors. Isn't life a lot more peaceful and happy when they're more willingly saying yes? That's just why I say it's a 24-7, 365 skill.
0: Okay. What's a typical project then when clients bring you into work in their business?
1: So. I focus my efforts on the insurance industry here in the United States because my background that I spent 30 plus years in the industry, I know it inside and out, and we all have limited time and resources. So it's a huge industry. I spend my time focusing on insurance companies and insurance agencies. So uh, once I am brought on board, typically... Salespeople are the people that I work with, first and foremost, because they get it. They get that if they put training into practice, they see their sales go up. Uh, Second would be leaders, because good leaders recognize that they need to be able to influence people, not just directly underneath them, but across the organization and, and up. They all need to be able to influence people. So I would typically be brought in to work with those folks, also people on the underwriting side. On the insurance agencies, it's almost 100% the salespeople. I mean, they are right there with the buying public. And, and so when they put into practice uh, something that you taught them and they get a yes and they make a sale, mm-hmm. those people are all in. They're like, tell me more because they're highly motivated by, by uh, making sales.
0: How do you get most of your clients?
1: So typically what I do, I speak at a lot of conferences. So there might be an entree of anywhere from 45 to 90 minutes where I have an opportunity to speak about this. Then people are interested. And so all of a sudden conversations are started, connections are made. And that's where I will stay in touch with them. I am really diligent. I, if, if I speak at a conference and I can get a hold of a list of people who are in attendance, I don't care if it's four five, 600 people, I will reach out to every person on LinkedIn and and personalized invite and in because those are the people that I know are my potential clients in the future now once we've connected they're seeing all the information that I'm putting out and I call myself patiently persistent you know the timing isn't always right but if you are the one who's there in front of people and you've been persistent and not overbearing that's when the opportunities start Happening a lot of times, then people start calling. Hey, we got a conference. Are you available on this day? And it's because I made sure I connected and I stayed in front of them.
0: How do you get uh, asked to those events? People ask me that frequently. You know, I'm a, I'm a new trainer or facilitator. I, I want to be on stage. How do I get in the door of of an organization that needs me to give a, a talk of some kind?
1: Well, the first thing you're going to probably have to do is a lot of free talks. I mean, it's just like paying your dues and working your way up. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's probably not going to be a lot of organizations that are going to pay you, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars if they haven't seen that you've been speaking at other large events. And so you start at that lower level. And I did this for years when I was working for the insurance company. I'd speak to almost anybody who would have me come out because I was working on my craft I was getting in front of people. I was able to put out on LinkedIn, hey, spoke to this group. And I started to create the perception that like Brian, outside of insurance, is doing a lot with with this influence. So once you kind of get going there, then you make sure that you're listing all those organizations, social proof. Then you're starting to find, well, what are the events that I would like to speak at? What is my niche? And you start researching and you start finding out who are decision makers, and you begin to get your name out in front of them. So if you were that person, Mark, I I might reach out or sometimes my wife does outreach for me, but I would make sure that we get some kind of connection. I'm not expecting you're going to hire me because of one email, but I know that if I stay in touch with you, I know that if I do a podcast, you might find interesting and I send it to you, or I have some video from a recent talk and I send it to you. All of a sudden, there comes a point in time where you're thinking about your event. You're like, I want to, to talk to Brian. That was an interesting podcast. I really liked what I saw in that short video he sent me. And so you're having to get out there and market and sell yourself, just like anybody else is having to do if they're in sales. But your product is you.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. There's just so much we could talk about. It's uh, a an amazing book. And there's also, I think, a 12 or 11-minute video on YouTube, which people could watch to get a flavor of, of the book. And the book was... Um, this has influenced the psychology of persuasion. This book was revised, right, a few years ago?
1: Yeah. it's uh, yeah. The first edition that I read was, was pretty thin. I mean, it was dense material, but it's thin. Now it's like an encyclopedia because he's pulled in the seventh principle of unity. He's incorporated persuasion. He's expanded the... Right the examples and and things. So it is, I, I would tell anybody, I mean, as much as I want people to read my books, and I think that they should because it really shows practical application, but the foundation of the house is Robert Cialdini's book. You, you have to read that to deeply understand the psychology. And from there, then all the things that we talk about, about why do I do what I do with LinkedIn or reaching out to people beforehand, then it starts making sense like, oh, because it ties back to these principles.
0: Mm-hmm let's let's mention your book Brian your, your full title of your book please
1: so my first book was called influence people and the word people is an acronym which stands for powerful everyday opportunities to persuade that are lasting and ethical wow and, and
0: <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah
1: I don't know how I came up with that acronym but it's beautiful I mean it fits it just fits so beautiful yeah yeah. And uh, and I wrote a second book called Persuasive Selling for Relationship-Driven Insurance Agents. So that, that book looks at the sales cycle and how do you apply the psychology throughout that? How do you apply it to different buying styles? And then my third book was called The Influencer Secrets to Success and Happiness. And that's a business parable. So if you're somebody who doesn't want to read a business psychology or a sales book, but you like stories, this is literally the story of a young man who you meet at birth, and he goes off to college, learns a little bit about influence and begins to see how it applies in his personal and professional life as he steps out into his career.
0: Brilliant. Brian, where can people find out more about you? Uh,
1: Two places, LinkedIn. So anybody who's listening, uh, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and I will guarantee you this, you'll get a personal uh, response. If you don't tell me how you found me, I'm going to say, how did you find me? But if you do, I'm going to just say, thank you for reaching out. Social media, we need to be social. So you'll get a personal response. Second place is my website, which is influencepeople.biz. Somebody goes out there, you'll see videos, you'll see hundreds of podcasts. Uh, I've been blogging weekly for almost 15 years. There's no shortage of information for people and anybody who goes out now, I have a free ebook. It's about 60 pages called The Game of Influence. You'll get a free copy of that if you sign up for the blog.
0: Wonderful. Brian, thank you again for being my guest today on the Training Business Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: My huge thanks to Brian for speaking to us today from Ohio. And of course, thanks to you for listening again this week. If you've got a question or a suggestion, you can email me, mark at trainingbusiness.com. Simple as that. Maybe you've got some ideas for the kinds of guests, authors, speakers whom you admire and would like to have on the show. Recommendations are always welcome. And speaking of recommended, I'd love you to share this episode and the show with people whom you know would get something from it. Maybe there are trainers or coaches, facilitators out there that would love either to be on the show or perhaps to get something from the show. And my team, Sam, Joe, James, and Turrell, And I really appreciate your loyalty and your time this week. You can find all episodes of the podcast, past, present, and future on your podcast platform of choice. So until next week, keep leading, keep business building, and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. See you next time.